0: From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing.
1: All right, well, this is uh, Pastor Frank from One Baptist Church here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I am here with Robert Engel, our associate pastor, and Chris Wing, our praise leader. And uh, we are here for our second episode. Thank you for joining us. We uh, I love the fact that you're here to listen. Uh, we're going to be talking about a pretty interesting subject here the, today. Uh, it's uh, uh, on the, uh, the idea of the key of David. And uh, basically what we're trying to, get a, to accomplish here, if we can, is uh, what, what, what does the Bible say about uh, how we should study the Bible? Uh, that's really basically uh, what we're trying to get at. And uh, so we're going to jump right in because we have a lot to cover and uh, we're going to just uh, 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 hit the ground running, if you will. You know, in uh, the book of uh, Revelation, uh, you, in chapter number three, when uh, Jesus uh, talks to the church at Philadelphia, uh, he says here in verse number seven, it says, unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that had the key of David. He that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man open. Uh, you know, it's a very uh, interesting verse because there was something about that church of Philadelphia uh, that, uh, that, that they had uh, that was just uh, absolutely mind-blowing. And, and what it was, of course, is the key of David. And, and what we want to try to accomplish here this morning is, is, first of all, understand what the key of David is. Uh, and then uh, uh, take that and run with it and see where, where it leads us. Uh, it uh, it leads us to, uh, thankful to Mark Trotter for uh, helping us understand uh, uh, what the 10 keys of a Bible study are. And then we're going to kind of jump in. We're going to look at the first three keys here uh, this afternoon, and then uh, we'll uh, hit the next uh, three in the next time, and then the final four uh, the following time after that. So uh, let's just, just take a look at this key of Jabez. David, thing you know, the first thing that I think we need to discuss here is uh, why, why, why do we study the Word of God, and 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 what is the importance of the Word of God? And uh, you know, uh, one of the verses that always kind of jumps out at me is uh, John twelve forty eight, where Jesus is talking and he says this: He says, "He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him." In the last day, and so you know uh, the importance of understanding that this book that we have in front of us uh, is not just words on a page. It certainly can be words on a page, uh, but uh, these very words are going to be the words that judge us in the last days. And so, everything that's in uh, our our Bible uh, was put there on purpose. Uh, God didn't uh, make mistakes. Uh, he, 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 he knew what he was doing, and, and he knew exactly what we needed to hear. Uh, and, you know, uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, uh, for me anyways, and uh, I'm sure it is for, for you guys, uh, you know, when you're out talking to people or you're having conversations with people, you'll hear things like... Well, what makes you think you're right, or or why do you think you're you know your interpretation? That's just your interpretation, and you, you get kind of things like that. And and here I'm just gonna say it like this, and and hopefully uh, this will be the uh, uh, the basis for all of our future studies that we do uh, as we talk uh, uh, through these uh, upcoming podcasts. You know, it's pretty it's pretty simple. At the end of the day. Uh, myself, Robert, Chris, uh, one, the, the, folks at one Baptist church, uh, we, we don't think we're smarter than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly don't think we've got it. We, we know something that other people don't know. And we certainly don't think that we got it right and everybody else has got it wrong. Um, we just simply believe this and, 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 and it's, it, it goes, this is, it's just simple. We just believe that the word of God says what it means and it means what it says. Mm-hmm. And we, t- we take it for what it says. So when it says that the last days that this word is going to judge us, well, hey, in the last days, this word is going to judge us. And so um, I think if you can come to the place uh, where, uh, you know, uh, you take this word of God as the authority, uh, then you're you're, you're going to get yourself in a place where you're no longer the authority <laughs> of your own life. And you realize that God's the one that's in control. And uh, man. Uh, for me anyways, you know, I didn't become a Christian until I was 28. Uh, I completely rejected this book. I rejected Jesus. Uh, but, uh, once I r- realized that the, that the word of God was much more, uh, than, uh, I thought it was, uh, and it took me a little while to figure out that, you know, I really had to make it the authority in my life because if I tried to be the authority in my own life, I was going to mess it up. Uh, so anyways, we're, we're talking about this key of David and, and, and real quick, just what is the key of David? Uh, In in a nutshell, uh, you know you have to go back to Psalms uh, 119 really uh, to kind of get the uh, the full flavor of it. Uh, But uh, basically, what the key of David is is this: you know, David was a man after God's own heart. Uh, Certainly, the Bible states that. And the thing with David is is uh, you know all the times that David uh, said that he loved God. You know, we, we have a lot of people today, ourselves, would, would all say, oh, well, yeah, we love God. Well, here's the, here's the deal, okay? Uh, David only to- said that he loved God in all Scripture twice. And, and, you know, that's, that's kind of mind-blowing when he was a man after God's own heart. So what was it <laughs> that made David a man after God's own heart? Well, if you turn to Psalm 119 and you were to read, uh, by the way, the longest chapter in the Bible, uh, what you're going to find out is, is uh, of all those verses, uh, uh, only two of them do not state uh, the very fact that what it was that that David loved was the word of God. He, he put the word of God as the most important thing in his life. And uh, I will just say it like this. Um, you can't love God without loving his word. Amen. It's an impossibility. Amen. It's an impossibility. You just can't. And so that's what we're talking about. We talk about the key of David. Uh, the key of David is what opens up the eyes of our understanding to the words of God, uh, the key of David is what opens up the opportunity for us to do the work of God. So, so with that being said, and, and listen, there's a lot more we could say about the key of David, no doubt about it. But with that being said, uh, we just want uh, to, to, to move into now these, these 10 keys of Bible study. So, so obviously you have to have a love for God's word before these 10 keys of Bible study will even matter. Okay, But certainly we know 2 Timothy tells us to study to show thyself worthy uh, and, and be approved unto God, which means we can, we can uh, not be approved unto God if we don't study. And, and certainly we need to rightly divide the word of truth. This isn't about our opinions. This isn't about what we think the Bible says. It's not about our interpretations. It's about what the Bible actually says and let God interpret his own word and let God divide the word for you because he will. And so, you know, John 17, 17 Jesus says, sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. And so all we're saying here is, is that we just believe what the Bible says. And uh, uh, we take it word for word. We think every word matters. And the reason why is because we're going to be judged by every word in the last day. Amen? Amen. Yep. All right. Let's go ahead and jump right into key number one. Key number one, uh, simply stated, And just so how uh, everybody knows, we're going to talk about the first three keys today. Number one is going to be establish the theme of the author. Uh, I'm going to kind of take that one. And then the second one is going to be make the right divisions. Uh, Pastor Robert's going to take that one. And then the third one we'll talk about today is keep verses in their context. And Chris will will take that one. All right. So let's talk about key number one, establish the theme of the author. So obviously, uh, we all know God is the author of this book. He used... Uh, men uh, through the Holy Ghost to write the words but it was God's words uh, over 40 different uh, authors are found in the Bible uh, you'll know you'll, you'll you could take note that the, the Bible was written over a period of about 15 to 1600 years um, but what's fascinating is is that each book uh, reveals and plays on all the other books so we know there's 66 books in the Bible. And uh, it's just an amazing thing when you start to study the Bible, uh, how uh, you just see how interlocked all the different books are and, and, and just how, man, <laughs> when, and when I use that word interlock on purpose because you need a key to open it up. And uh, boy, it's a pretty cool thing when you do have the ability to open it up. Um, and when, once you do, uh, man, uh, the things that we are shown. So okay, what is what is the theme of the Bible? You know, a lot of people will say uh, things like, "Well, the theme of the Bible is salvation." Uh, the theme of the Bible is the cross. The theme of the Bible is is uh, the church, uh, things to that matter. Well, when uh, you when you when you when you actually uh, uh, do take the time to study the Bible, what you find out is is that the theme of the Bible has nothing to do with any of those things as far as the overall theme. Uh, first of all, we need to understand what is the purpose of the church. Uh, unfortunately, most people think the purpose of the church has something to do with us. No, the purpose, has, the purpose of the church has nothing to do with us. Uh, the purpose of the church, Ephesians 3.21, Paul lays it out pretty, pretty plain to us, is that the purpose of the church is to bring God glory. And uh, once you realize that it's not about us, that, that takes you to the place where you now have to start to realize it's about somebody else. Okay, so who is it about? Well, at the end of the day, we all know that it's about Jesus Christ. And uh, ultimately... Uh, what is going on is is it starts the the Bible itself starts with a attack on a throne, and the uh, Lucifer uh, wanted the throne of God. He uh, he wanted to uh, usurp that throne, uh, and then what has happened is because of that uh, uh, iniquity that was found in him, he was cast out of heaven. And for the last six thousand years, uh, it's all been about a battle over a throne. That, that's really what the, where we're at right now. And the question is, is who's going to sit on the throne? Are we going to let God sit on the throne? Are we going to let Satan sit on the throne? Or, unfortunately, uh, where many of us probably are, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, um, is, is are we going to sit on the throne?
0: And just so our listeners um, can track with us, um, you can find that information in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. Um, you will find... Um, Lucifer, um, his anointing before his fall and what all that entailed. And then um, when you uh, compare Scripture to Scripture, going to Isaiah 45, Jeremiah chapter 4, those types of things, when you start doing that, uh, you'll start to see how the, the Bible does open up with the battle for a throne.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Robert. Uh, that's a, that, no doubt about that. Um, and of course, in Isaiah 14, you see those five I will statements uh, and and certainly, what one of those I will statements is 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 uh, Lucifer wanting that throne of God. Uh, so okay, so we get this uh, idea now. We start to understand that the the, the Bible uh, is a uh, 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 epic picture, if you will, of this battle over the throne. Well, here's the deal: if you read the end of the book, you find out who actually wins the throne. And uh, it's a pretty it's pretty, pretty simple. It's pretty basic. Uh, God wins the throne. Uh, Jesus Christ is going to sit on the throne of David one day. And 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 the story. Amen. Uh, that's the victory right there. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, if we take the Bible literally, if we just read what it says, uh, there's no doubt about it that one day Satan is going to I will say that Satan's already a defeated foe. Uh, but uh, one day that that defeat is going to be. Finalized as Jesus is going to sit on the throne. So, with that being said, what the theme of the Bible is, the theme of the Author God is simply this: is that uh, there is a throne, okay? The and Jesus is going to sit on it, and when he's going to sit on it, the Bible calls that the Day of the Lord. It's all about a period of time uh, where. Uh, God is going to usurp the ruler of this world right now, which is uh, Satan, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Uh, and he's going to usurp that, that the, the person that is uh, uh, in control of this earth right at the moment, uh, if you will. And, and that's by design. God has given him that uh, privilege, if you will. Um, I don't know if privilege is really the right word, but uh, God has allowed that to happen. Uh, and, but one day, uh, Jesus Christ is going to return, and he's going to... Uh, put Satan in his, his rightful place, and he is going to sit on the throne in what we call the day of the Lord. Uh, and uh, I like the way uh, Pastor Trotter uh, said this, so I just want to read this uh, because I think it's important uh, because it just it's a beautiful way that he said it. There is a day on God's calendar that he has circled, underlined, starred, exclamation-pointed, and smiley-faced. It is the most important day in history. It is not, however the day most Christians think it is not the day God watched his only begotten son brutalized on the cross. It is the day the Lord Jesus Christ returns in all of his glory to set up his kingdom on the earth. And for the first time, since man sinned in the garden, he will finally receive the glory that is due his name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so this day of the Lord uh, is a very important term in the Bible. And uh, that's what we wanna kind of talk about right now. And I got a couple other things I wanna say, but I wanna maybe let Chris uh, just jump in right now and uh, and, and and see what you, see what your thoughts are on that.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people will just, they don't understand what this term, the day of the Lord means, and not to mention uh, applying it as, it as it needs to be to the theme of the Bible. But the, the difference, why this is so important is that understanding what the theme of the Bible is, is going to dictate how it is that as Christians we're to live our lives. So. Because what people like to do today is, well, the Bible is all about me. You know, it's unfortunate, but you know, from most churches today, they're they're preaching devotional messages, and when you preach devotional messages, that makes the Bible all about self, about me. What can I get out of it? What is God putting in there for me? But to understand the truth about what the Bible is really all about, the theme is all about changes the the uh, attention from being all about us to. The author himself jesus christ and all about him which is going to help us to dire- help direct us to the work that we need to do not being about us but being about him and that and that really is the 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 idea of what uh the church of laodicea was all about it was all about self you know um it, this turns that up on up upside down on its head and, and understanding that wait a second this book's not it's not about what i can get out of it it's not about me When you understand what the theme is, you understand who the book is really all about and who it's not about, which is us. You know, we get to partake. We are partakers. It is not solely about us. So the importance, I think, I just want to say about this key is understanding the perspective. Um, uh, It's not about us. It's about him. And and that really is how it's important so that we can have our our lives directed in the right direction. It It just doesn't become all about us.
0: Robert? Uh, yeah, absolutely, and you know, as as I'm just sitting here thinking about this, you know, a lot of times when um, when Christians are reading the Bible, you know, very well-meaning, um, love the Lord, um, trying to grow in their walk, you know, when they think about the Lord's Day, what is it that they typically think about? Yeah,
1: Sunday. 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 Yeah. yeah,
0: and and you know, that's that's not Bible. That's mm-hmm. that's 21st century Christianity lingo. Sure. Sure. Um, nowhere, not once in all of Scripture. Um, does um the Lord refer to a Sunday as the Lord's day that's just something that we've kind of picked up um, along the way but when you do you know one of the keys we talk about this a lot and probably will in every podcast uh, compare scripture with scripture when you do that you find something very different about the Lord's day mm-hmm. um and, and the Lord doesn't just he does say flat out in black and white this is what the Lord's day is um by, by it's, a, it's a great and terrible day and all these different um, scenarios that that we see happening on that day, but also he he paints pictures for us all yep. throughout Scripture, okay. um, especially the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the uh, creation week, um, Genesis two, those first three verses there on that seventh day, man, there's something special, mm-hmm. something peculiar about that day. Uh, when you look at the uh, genealogy in Genesis five, um, you start looking at those names and what they mean, and mm-hmm. and just the unfolding of history. Um, the Lord is just continuously painting this picture all throughout His Word. And so, again, when you start to look at it from a biblical perspective, and I emphasize that word biblical mm-hmm. as opposed to just a Christian perspective, yep. um, then you will find that uh, the Lord's day is something much more than what than most tend to believe. Yeah, and, you know, that's the key. Is uh, you know and, and
1: and using the word key See right? What you did there? Yeah, you like how I did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the key, right? Because uh, when when when, when it's all said and done, uh, you know, unfortunately, you were talking about that Sunday thing, and in, in, in the it's it's in Revelation chapter one that people get that mm. they'll say that that you know where John says I was in the spirit in the Lord's day. Yeah. Unfortunately, that has been so falsely uh, uh, advertised, if you will, as being well, oh, well, okay, but what uh, John was taken to the. To, to the, the Spirit on uh, Sunday, no, 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 no. What happened was, is John in we'll say uh, somewhere around ninety five A.D. He's in he's in he's in uh, uh, exile in Patmos, and he is taken literally in spirit to the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what is the Lord's Day? Okay, well, let's define that real quick so everybody understands. The Lord's Day is a. Uh, uh, from a biblical perspective it's 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 although it is the day he returns okay specifically it is the day Jesus Christ comes back on that white horse mm-hmm. revelation 19 uh, no doubt about it. But the Lord's Day also entails some other uh, a period of time, if you will. Right. And what that period of time is, is basically the seven-year tribulation, mm-hmm. okay, after the rapture of the church, the seven-year tribulation uh, moving into the millennial reign, the, the literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. That is the Lord's Day. And if you take that and you just let the Bible be the Bible and you read what it says, uh, there's no way you can get around that. You, you, you can't argue it. It's what it says. And when you go back into the Old Testament, you look at those uh, those minor prophets, uh, and, and even the major prophets, if you will, you'll see terms like this in that day, at that time. Uh, those those are all terms that that right off the bat should jump in your head and go, oh, okay. He's talking about either that seven-year tribulation, or he's
0: talking about uh, the millennial reign of Christ. And when you look at that, there are far more prophecies about his second coming oh, than even his first. Absolutely. And you just, you can't get around it. Yeah.
1: Again, establish a the theme of the Bible. Amen. That's what we're trying to do. That's it. The theme of the Bible is all about the day Jesus gets that throne. Mm. That's what the theme is. Amen. And so let's just, we'll close this on this. It's, a, it's it, Obviously, uh, there is uh, much, much more we can talk about this. Yeah. Um, but uh, let me say this. Until Christ's kingdom glory comes, the reason why the day of the Lord is so important to us is because when we understand that, right, we're trying to establish keys of Bible study. And whenever we want to try to establish the key of the Bible study, at the end of the day, right, if we're going to go to the Bible and we're going to let it be our authority, it can't just be something we're reading. It has to be something that's happening in us to provoke us to do something, right? What, is, what does James say? Don't just be a hearer of the word. Yeah. Be a do. doer of the word. So so why, okay, right, Pastor Frank, well, okay, great. You, you sat here for the last 15 minutes talking about this first theme being the day of the Lord. Well, the reason why that's so important, the reason why we need to understand that, as both of you have already kind of stated, is because the book's not about us. Right. The book's about him. And when we get that proper perspective, we are looking forward for the hope that's in him in the day when he gets his glory. And because we're looking for that hope of him getting his glory, then what we can now realize is, well, wait a minute, we can live our lives in such a way where we can give him glory now. Amen. And that is why understanding the theme is so important. It has to be his kingdom. Glory has to be the passion and theme of our lives. If we miss this point, we will miss the very purpose of what our existence is. We'll miss the very purpose of what the purpose of the church is. The church isn't about us. (laughs) It's not about picking churches and where you want to go to church based on what you want. You need to find a church that's preaching God's word that's going to help you prepare yourself for that kingdom glory as well. Mm -hmm. That's why this is so important. All right, I think we did a good job on explaining the first... uh, Key. Uh, well, I could
2: just add real quick. Yeah, go for it. Just because uh, it, it is a throne, and, and and the problem is, you know, if there's a throne, that means somebody's sitting on it. So, in order to apply this to our lives, then I would say, who's sitting on the throne of our lives? Is it God? Is it Satan? Or is it ourselves? Because whoever sits on that throne is the one that we're going to follow. Sure. And gets so, that glory. And gets that yeah. glory.
1: Yeah. Amen. Certainly, if we're Bible believers, we'll say that God should be the one getting the glory. But man, the way we live our lives really tells the truth. Yeah. And again, we'll close right with this. In the last days, mm-hmm. the word that I spoke will be the judge. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the importance of making sure we understand uh, what the theme of the Bible is. Amen. All right, our second theme is uh, making the right divisions. And Pastor Robert, I think you got that one, so go ahead.
0: Yeah, um, and man, um, this is just, I'll, I'll say this about every key. this is, They're just so important it's the most important one you know every time we talk about one of the keys (laughs) it's the most important one um but yeah uh, making the right divisions and um all of these keys that we're going to talk about you know chris and and pastor frank i know would agree um none of these are um man-made they're not one baptist church they're not um any any denomination no these are things that god has outlined in his word hey here's how you are to study my book and um, and in Second Timothy chapter two and verse fifteen, Pastor Frankie referenced that uh, in the beginning of this episode, um, we find these words, um, and, and they're not these words are not a suggestion; um, they are a command to, as it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And um, man, just. I'll, I'll just say this in, in humility, um, and, and I challenge and encourage all of our listeners to, to follow up with this. Um, th- there is only one book where you are going to find that word study. Yeah. Um, only one Bible. That's yeah. in, in the authorized version, the King James Version of the Bible. Yeah. Um, in, in all the other ones, you're going to find um, things that, that do not mean study. Yeah. Um, to, yeah. uh, encouragements to, to be diligent or to try your best or to make effort. And, and none of those mean the same thing mm-hmm. as study. And, and so there's something to be said about that, but sure. um, when we just look at that verse, um, there there are some negative observations that we can make from that, and then there are some positive observations or connotations that we can glean from it. And and, and again, Pastor Frank, you alluded to this in the uh, beginning of the the episode, but when we see these words uh, to study, to show thyself approved unto God, uh, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, um, we find that uh, it is possible to a be disapproved because we're called to show our study to show ourselves approved. Mm-hmm. B is possible to be ashamed because he says we can be workmen uh, that needeth not be ashamed. And then because we're told to rightly divide the word, it's very possible to wrongly divide the word. Um, and, and so, how do we be approved, or how how can we be approved, uh, not in man's eyes or in our own, but from from God's eyes? Well. To be approved and not be ashamed requires study. It requires work because he calls us to be workmen, Mm -hmm. and and man, does the flesh like to work? No. So so study can be lets us know that right. That's it. Yeah, Um, study can be a a wearisome task to the flesh, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're called to study. We're called to work, and then we're called to make right divisions. Um, And and there are um, two again. You know, we the, the the, the scope in, of this podcast will not, will not allow us to go into detail. I mean, we could take do a series sure. on each of these sure keys. Enough. I mean, we could do several episodes per key, but um, just a couple different um, major issues that come to mind, um, and then I'll th- throw this out to you guys uh, for, for, for your thoughts and whatnot. But um, when I think about rightly dividing the word of truth, um, you know, all the Bible... Is, is written for us as believers, as Christians. It's written for us. We can glean things from it. Um, however, uh, it is not all written to us. Right. Um, and, and there are two divisions that come off the bat, uh, or excuse me, come to my mind right off the bat. Um, that's simply our Old Testament and our New Testament. Um, and, and I don't think anyone would would uh, take issue uh, with that. Um, but when we look at the Word of God, um, and I think we're going to go into a little bit more detail on this next key Um, But the book of Acts is a huge um, hotbed, I guess, of doctrinal error um, when um, we are not rightly dividing it. And again, I don't want to go too much into detail at this moment because um, I I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we talk about context. Um, Yeah, but... um, there are just some things that we need to understand about the book of Acts if we're going to rightly divide it. Um, number one, we have to know that Acts is not a doctrinal uh, treatise, so to speak, regarding church theology. Uh, it is, as it's called, the Acts of the Apostles. It is a historical account of the Acts of the Apostles. And if we did not have the book of Acts in our Bibles, and our New Testament, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans and there was no book of Acts, when reading from John, from the Gospels to the book of Romans, we would be terribly lost, and we would have no idea what's going on, because there are some critical things that are going on in the book of Acts. Um, some, some transitions uh, from the Old Testament structure to a New Testament structure. Um, we, we see in the book of Acts, God moves from working primarily with the Jew to primarily working with the Gentile. Uh, his base of operations... Being uh, in Jerusalem, moves to Antioch. Um, He he goes from working through the nation of Israel to the church, from from the ministry of Peter in the first twelve chapters of Acts to the ministry of Paul uh, in chapters thirteen through twenty-eight. And And that's an
1: important one to make sure we understand. There's there's some very key uh, components to understanding the difference between the gospel of the circumcision Mm. that Peter was preaching Mm. to the gospel of the uncircumcision. That Paul was preaching—that's a very different gospel. So much,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, and not only that, but then—and this will lead me to the second major um, division that we have to—we have to get—is there's a transition in the book of Acts from a kingdom of heaven message yeah. to a kingdom of uh, God. Yeah. So important, very important. <laughs> and and that's another one, man. We can just spend months on, on this issue. But um, you know, a lot of times we'll, I'll go back to that um that that conversation about the um different words that are used in different Bibles, different versions of the Bible, um, so many times, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are um, thought to be the same and interchangeable in regards to them being the same kingdom. And, I mean, just from from a logical standpoint, I mean, come on, they're two different words. They have different letters that make different uh, sounds and they yeah, mean and two just, different things. And just so
1: everybody knows, uh, that will be a future study we will do. Yes, uh, as I think one of it our
0: podcasts um, in the future. So yes. just stay tuned, and we
1: will talk about that. Yeah, because that is a very important distinction. To make.
0: Yeah, and so you know, for that reason, again, you know, I, I don't want to exhaust it at this point. Um, but when you just compare scripture with scripture, um, we're going to keep going back to that. You will see that the the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Man, they they are described in two very, very different fashions, two different ways. Um, and when you do that, and as Pastor Frank, you said earlier, let God define these words and these terms and let him and his word be its own commentator on itself or commentary on itself, uh, there's no room for human uh, reasoning or no, no room for, for opinion. Uh, he tells us. And so, again, just the book of Acts and uh, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are two um, major areas where we have got to get the right division. Sure, sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just uh, going off of establishing the theme, we're talking about a throne, and you're talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Well, if there's a throne, that means there's a kingdom that that throne is sitting in. Mm-hmm. And so it just becomes that much more uh, necessary for us to understand and rightly divide about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of god what's being talked about because you know if there's a throne there's a kingdom and what's the difference between these kingdoms and it just you know one goes into the next you know so it's, it's, it's and very just important.
1: just so we you know we said we were going to talk about this uh in a future podcast but just so if you're listening right now uh just so you can kind of understand what we're saying here the kingdom of heaven is a literal physical kingdom Uh, that is going to uh, take place here on earth, the day of the Lord, right? We already talked about that. Um, And where Jesus Christ is going to sit on a physical, literal throne. Uh, That is a a very important distinction to understand. Uh, By the way, you can only find the kingdom of heaven in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. Um, There are three New Testament books that uh, certainly have a very Jewish overtone to it. Uh, that without any doubt uh, is, is also speaking of uh, that, that Day of the Lord time period. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew is one of those books, uh, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Now, certainly as a church, we can go into the Gospel of Matthew and we can pull some application to the church. Uh, no one's saying that you can't do that. Uh, but from a doctrinal standpoint, uh, what is written in Matthew is written to establish the theme of who the king is. And that king... Is Jesus in the day of the Lord when He is going to sit on that throne? Uh, the Book of Hebrews. I mean, that should tip us right off who that book's written to. Uh, that, that 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 that. And what is the establishment of that book? The, it establishes the fact that Jesus is the High Priest. Mm-hmm. He is uh, the necessary sacrifice. He, he. The Book of Hebrews uh, is a shows the transition, if you will, from Old Testament, which I don't think anybody's going to argue is Jewish, mm-hmm. to New Testament. Uh, so uh, no doubt the book of Hebrews is is written to the Hebrews, um, and then uh, of course finally the book of James. I mean, listen, all you got to do is read the first verse. It says to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, what happens is, and and when we're talking about these right divisions, one of those right divisions, and and we're gonna I think we're gonna talk about this is uh, in, in a future. Uh, uh, Key of of the Bible study, Uh, but listen. One of those right divisions is understanding uh, that the church is not the replacement for Israel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you just can't get that in the Bible if you just let the Bible be the Bible. And God's certainly not done with Israel. That's right. Uh, There 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 is a future for Israel, and that's what the day of the Lord's all about. Uh, truthfully, that's what the Book of Revelation, chapter six is through nineteen, is all about. Yeah, is the reestablishing of
0: Israel uh, in its rightful place. Well, there's a reason it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Yes, yes, no doubt, Israel. No, yes. and, and and you bring up such a um man, such a critical and, and valid point because in Revelation chapter two, uh, Jesus offers a very stern warning um, about oh, yeah. those who twice yes, sir, who call themselves Jews and are not. Mm -hmm. And he says that they are of the synagogue of Satan. And when you just stop and think about the implications of that regarding the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, if we are not rightly dividing those two uh, entities in in Scripture, uh, we are going to fall prey to taking the promises that were given to the Jews for the kingdom of heaven— and superimposing those spiritually to the church. Mm-hmm. And we become victims, or, or I, I should say we become um, um, perpetrators of of committing what Jesus said he hates. Sure. And, and so um, just from a practical application. And, and a lot of times I think churches are doing that. I mean, I say this very humbly. Churches are doing that and not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's what's equally scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the implications of this are cannot be overstated, sure. right? Chris, you got any final yeah, thoughts here? just
2: uh, tagging off of what he was saying there, you know, when it comes to making right divisions within Scripture, you know, we have to understand that God structures His word in, and here's a big word, some of you might not know, but in a dispensational way. And in order to make proper divisions in Scripture, not only do we need to compare Scripture with Scripture, but even comparing Scripture with Scripture, you can can still make wrong divisions. But to understand that God's Word is structured in a dispensational manner, and that He deals with man in different times and different ways to accomplish the same plan, is key. There's the word again, key. It's pivotally important to understanding how to make those right divisions. You have to understand God is dispensational in the way that He structures His Word.
1: And I think... One of those things that just jumped to my mind right off the bat when you say that is, and we just discussed this uh, on Thursday at church, right, is uh, salvation in the Old Testament is different than salvation in the New Testament. Right. Okay, people were not saved, if you will. Uh, Matter of fact, I would even argue that people couldn't have been saved in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. uh, but they certainly weren't saved the same way they are saved in the New Testament. And, you know, you hear things like this. Well, in the Old Testament, people are looking forward to the cross. Uh, Listen, you can't look forward to something that you didn't even know was there because those Old Testament prophecies, had no idea mm-hmm. what that was all about. That, that that's why they didn't understand it. Uh, but, anyways, um, you you said something about uh, being you know in the church age, uh, trying to be uh, you know people that are, are saying that they're Jews when they're not. Mm. Um, you know, I would throw in there: be careful. All the apostles were Jews, mm-hmm. uh, so let's be very careful about that today. And the last thing I'll say is: uh, so Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, certainly is talking about a literal physical kingdom the kingdom of God is talking about the spiritual kingdom that spiritual kingdom is in us today Mm -hmm. that's the parenthetical we are living in Uh, God if you will uh, has because the Jews uh, uh, rejected uh, the father the son and the Holy Ghost Uh, God has turned his attention off of them uh, put them on hold if you will and uh, he will uh, uh, he will uh, turn his attention back on them in, in the 70th week of Daniel, the, the time of Jacob's trouble. Romans chapter 11. Right. Uh, but uh, right now we are living in a parenthetical, if you will, where, where God's dealing with the church. And in this church age, uh, all those things that Israel was supposed to do physically were supposed to do spiritually and if you can understand that you'll understand that the old testament although it wasn't written to us it is written for our learning absolutely and there are certainly things that apply to us amen Uh, that temple where you had to go and sacrifice in the old testament it's in us today that's right understanding that is 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 important okay i think we did a good job on that one let's finish up uh, with our third key uh, and that is keeping verses in their context. And uh, Chris.
2: Oh take us away. boy. Oh boy, That's important, don't you think? Keeping things in their context A little bit. Wouldn't want to do that, right? We'd make right divisions then. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, think about it, you know, just generally speaking, when we're reading anything, we want to keep what we're reading in context in order to understand it. But for some reason, the Word of God gets so attacked in this particular area maybe more than others and and for some reason we think that we can just pull verses out and and just read it and think well i know what that's talking about and it gets taken out of context you know we don't do that with any other piece of literature why do we do that with the word of god so yeah this key is 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 very important to understand being able to make those right divisions in in the word of god you know any and i want to read just a verse real quick kind of set this up in second peter chapter three Mm -hmm. as peter's talking he says and uh Verse fifteen and sixteen, he says, "An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as a beloved Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest w r e s t rest as they do also the other scriptures." So we have to, we see here that even at set this up unto their own destruction, unto their own destruction, <laughs> absolutely that's what happens. But we see here that Peter's actually. He's actually telling us and stating that he understands that the words that were being given to Paul as he wrote them were actually scripture, and so even at that time, and so what he's saying is that what people will do is they'll they'll wrest them, they'll, they'll they'll wrestle them and twist them and take them out of you know make them say what they want them to say. That's really what happens when we take things out of context. Is we can just make it say whatever we want it to at that point, right? And, and here's a key thought, and this one's kind of sobering. Every cult in the world that uses the Bible. Uh, along with every false teaching in the world, is rooted in biblical truth that has been taken out of context. Yes. In other words, it, it's it's the biblical truth that has been misplaced or misapplied. Yeah. And, and, and this that's the qu- danger. Oh, absolutely.
1: Right? You you, you know, it's, it's, it's the old idea of, you know... Um, 90% truth is 100% false, Absolutely, <laughs> because if you don't have all of it, then you don't have truth.
2: Yeah, 99% saved is 100% lost. Right. That's what and that's why these things are so important. And, and this will be true every time we go through a key is that not having right divisions, not taking things in context, not understanding, understanding the theme of the Bible. All of that is going to somehow play into one's soteriology. It's going to fall back onto what you believe about salvation. And that has eternal ramifications. That's why it's so key. That's why it's so important. Uh, I want to read this quote, and and it's just an amazing quote here. It says that a text without context is a pretext. In other words, you can make it say whatever you want. That's what it means by pretext. So if you have a text that doesn't have a context, you can make it say whatever you want.
1: And and just just, just so I can, real quick, uh, Chris, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, just just to make sure we understand what we're saying there is, uh, you know, the idea is that, unfortunately, a lot of people bring presuppositions into the Bible. And what a presupposition is, is presupposing uh, maybe something you heard from man, maybe something you heard from TV, maybe you heard from a teaching, whatever it is. Uh, you, 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 you bring that into the Bible, and because you think that is true, you incorporate that truth into the Bible, even though the Bible is rejecting what you're saying. For instance, real quick, uh, you know, how many? Uh, how uh, how many people uh, were 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 at the? Uh, or, or excuse me. When was when was Jesus uh, uh, the, the wise men? When did they come to see Jesus? Hmm. Well, we all think that they came to see Jesus right after he was born. No, that's a presupposition. That's not right. That's not what the Bible says. Actually, those wise men didn't come till up to two years after Jesus was born, and they didn't come to the manger. They came to a house. Uh, again, an apple. Did Adam eat an apple. Well, where does it say that? It doesn't say that in the Bible. Uh, just things like that that we presuppose that the Bible says that it doesn't say. Now, those are silly ones. There's more important ones that, that that actually have some very serious uh, uh, doctrinal issues that come to play if we don't understand them right. But that's that's what he's saying. Uh, just so everyone knows who's listening, uh, uh, we have to make sure that we put things in the proper context.
2: Absolutely and a couple of principles that we can uh use to apply to that would be uh, knowing the audience mm-hmm. that can, something is really Can written you share to. the
1: audiences for everybody?
2: S- say what? Can you say,
1: can you share the, the, the three different oh, audiences yeah. that the
2: Bible is written to? Well, in 1 Corinthians 10.32, God tells us you know, when he's writing that these are the different groups that he will write to. And it says, give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the Church of God. So there's three different people groups that he will address something to. It's either going to be the Jews, the Gentiles, or the Church of God. And knowing who something is being written to will automatically put things into the context of who it's being written to. Why do we take this?
1: And, and just so we before we move on from that just real quick so so for everybody's listening the basic idea is this uh, so let's say uh, uh, my grandfather writes me a letter and in that letter he says that uh, he's going to leave me a million dollars right and then Chris later finds that letter uh, sitting in my room and Chris reads the letter and then he comes to me and he goes hey, hey Frank look, check this out man uh, look, well look what your grandpa left us he left us a million dollars Well, wait a minute. No, he left me the million dollars, not you, Chris. What? So the Bible is written like that. It's written to three different people groups. Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure, going back to the rightly dividing the word, right? You need to make sure who it was written to and don't
0: steal somebody else's letter. Right. right. That's what ends up happening. And that will be a whole other key by itself in a future episode.
2: Sure. But I think it was mentioned earlier, just to uh, further address the point, is that some of the books that were mentioned i think frank you mentioned it you know just to, to to reiterate that knowing the audience is important as it pertains to doctrine because if you put it into the if you get the wrong audience you're going to apply a doctrine but that doesn't belong to a certain people group you know like for example he said the book of james book of james is written to the jews right the 12 tribes scattered abroad so what should we not look for in the book of james church doctrine mm-hmm. you know so knowing the audience is is definitely uh, important and then of course the content uh, that is contained within it uh, in order to, to rightly divide it as well and to put it in context. So I just want to give an example so that I don't take up too much uh, time explaining the key. Context is pretty obvious for people. You know, you got to read things in context. Knowing the audience is definitely key and how God does that. So... Uh, Pastor Robert was kind of mentioning the book of Acts earlier. This one is a key, pivotal, important thing to understanding in context. And in particular, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 38, it says that, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so a lot of people today like to go to that verse uh, as a salvation verse but what happens is if you just take that verse at face value without taking it in context, you get the, this whole doctrine of, you know, you have to be baptized to be saved. And that's just not the context that it was written in. So we have to remember, well, the book of Acts is one of those books that you have to know uh, the context of and who it's written to and how it flows. It's a transitional book going from Old Testament to New Testament dispensation. There's that word again. So understanding that and, and, and keeping all the verses within that chapter in context is going to help us understand what this particular verse is actually talking about. And so, you know, Robert talked about the seven different uh, transitions. I won't go into those again, but knowing what the context of Acts chapter two is, is going to establish what this verse is actually talking about. It's first of all, if you, and you'd go back. I just uh, challenge everybody to go back and read. It. I'm not going to have enough time to dig deep into the entire chapter, but go back and read it. And and, and it immediately establishes who, who the audience is. It's Jewish. Mm-hmm. Peter is talking to the Jews in Israel. Constantly you see that time and again in that chapter. Men of Israel, Judea, Jerusalem, they're in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is a Jewish feast. Peter's preaching to the Jews on that Jewish holiday, and all these Jews came from all around different areas of the world there for this feast. And so that's the audience that's being spoken to. It is the Jews. And Peter, who is the apostle to the Jews, is talking to them, right? Right. And as you go through, like I said, you'll notice the audience, Acts 2, 5, 2, 14, verse 22, 36, he's constantly addressing who it is that is in view here, who he's talking to. They are Jews, men of Israel, the nation of Israel. And so what he then does is, that's obviously what we know as the day of Pentecost, where the, uh, the gift of tongues, and, and Peter was speaking in, in, in a knowable, identifiable language, we won't get into that whole topic, to these men so that they heard, uh, in their own language what was being said and what he was doing is and he then starts to quote joel chapter two i think it was and he goes through uh what's going to happen in the future for the nation of israel and he he's talking to them about the fact that they crucified their messiah mm-hmm. that is the context that this entire chapter is all about is that they crucified the jews the nation of israel crucified their messiah it's not the same and, and when you look at verse 37 that's the it's just before this verse I mean, you want to keep things in context, read the verses before, read the verses after, and that's going to help you. Uh, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, everything that Peter had just uh, preached to them, they were pricked in their hearts, you know, convicted, and said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do about what it is that Peter had just told them? You just, you crucified your Messiah. And so the question that, was asked is, what shall we do? And it's a very different question from the question that was asked uh, by the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, which was, what must I do to be saved? So knowing the question and knowing the context is going to help you figure out what that Right,
1: so the question wasn't...
2: was not, what must I do to be but, saved? It didn't
1: say, well, okay, so seeing how we crucified our Messiah, what yes. do we need to do to be saved? That no. wasn't the question. Correct. The question is, what do we do about the fact that we crucified our yes. Messiah?
2: Now it changes everything. Right. And yeah. by the
1: way, that baptism that they're talking about in, yes. that, in, in Acts uh, that uh, th- th- that baptism is the baptism of John. Yes. And making sure you understand what the baptism of John is, is important as well. You can go to
2: Matthew chapter 3 for that.
1: Right. I mean, the baptism of John was for the remission of sins. Mm-hmm. Remission of sins is sins past. Right. That's it. So we have to ask ourselves from a salvation standpoint, when Jesus died on the cross and we accept him as our savior, so why are you saying that Jesus only took care of our past sins? Well, No. Yeah. We know, we know, we know that Jesus took care of our past sins, our future sins, and our sins right now. He took care of all of them. He nailed them all mm-hmm. uh, to the cross. So, uh, yeah, context is is vitally important. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, you did say this, right? We said the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. It's a Jewish holiday, right? So, do you remember, uh, folks, if you're listening? Do you remember when we said uh, you know you need to make the right divisions you need to know who the book is written, what, what is written to who. Right. So if you take chapter two and you insert uh, uh, these ideas of salvation and things to that matter that uh, takes place for the church uh, into chapter two, uh, the issue is you've now made a wrong division. Mm-hmm. OK, you, you and, and it, sadly, it happens today. OK, but probably one of the biggest things that I would say is everything that's going on in chapter two, as as Chris has said, is is to the Jew. Mm-hmm. It wasn't written for the church. We're, we're we're nowhere even uh, uh, close to this passage, and when I say the church, I mean the Gentile church, the body of Christ uh, that is ultimately going to end up being. Okay, we're we're not in chapter two. Uh, the 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 transition hasn't taken place yet, um, and uh, the 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 key understanding to that is is that we the day of Pentecost is not for us. <laughs> it's right. a Jewish holiday. Right. Don't replace Israel. Uh, with the church we've already said that mm-hmm. um, once you do that you go down a path that's going to lead us into some very very wrong uh, divisions uh, that 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 as pastor robert you've already said uh, makes us rightly divide wrongly <laughs> makes us ashamed <laughs> makes us ashamed so yeah yeah, good.
2: yeah. and in and, and, and that time in acts chapter two it was a very different uh, message so, you know, we have to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ hadn't even begun to be preached yet. So, you know, again, understanding the audience and the context that it's written in is going to dictate, uh, you know, proper doctrine and proper right divisions.
1: Robert, uh, we're going to close this up. Do you, do you have anything else you want to uh,
0: throw at Just, man, I mean, if, if any of this that we've talked about here has... Um struck a chord with you. Um, man, we just want to encourage you to dive deeper into these things. Don't take our word for these things. We do our very best not to give you our opinions, our insights, our perspectives, or any of that, our interpretations. Those such things don't exist when it comes to the Word of God. So, um, man, just be a Berean. Uh, go back and search the scriptures, see if these things be so, and uh, we hope to to further this study next time. Yeah,
1: okay, amen. All right, so just to, to, to rehash real quick, we talked about uh, the key of David, uh, Key of David being uh, uh, loving the Word of God. Uh, within that, uh, we, we talked about the first three keys um, as we study our Bible, how we, how, how we are to study it and, come, and approach it. Uh, not keys that One Baptist Church came up with, or I came up with, or Robert or Chris came up with. These are, these are keys that God has uh, showed us in His Word. The first one is, is we need to make sure we understand what the theme of the author is. No doubt, uh, without any question, the theme of the author is a specific day when Jesus Christ is going to sit on that throne. Uh, it's the day of the Lord, uh, no, and, and that this is a battle for who was going to sit on that throne. Number two, we talked about making right divisions. Uh, we need to make sure we know who a book was, was written to, and we need to make sure we understand uh, that uh, there is a parenthesis. Uh, the church age is a parenthesis, and we'll probably talk about that in future studies. And then finally, we talked about keeping verses in their context, knowing, uh, the audience that a book is written to is important. And, uh, whenever we take verses, uh, and we read them, um, we need to make sure they're in their context. One of the biggest things I've, I've seen in, in how we mess this up, man, is, uh, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear a preacher and this isn't an attack on preachers. It's just the, the reality of it. Uh, you'll hear them, you know, open up the Bible they'll read a verse or two. And, uh, then, the start talking about something that has nothing to do with that verse really was talking about. And it's because they weren't keeping uh, those verses in context. So uh, all these things are obviously very important. Uh, We want to make sure that God gets the glory and God needs to get that glory uh, through us. All right. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Salvaggio. Associate Pastor Robert Ingle. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.